The Trek Geeks Podcast Network is proud to have Fansets as its presenting sponsor. Fansets is the home of amazing pin collectibles with over 400 officially licensed Star Trek pins and new releases every month. Stay tuned for a special discount code worth 10% off your next order at fansets.com. Fansets, our pins have character. Basement offices, Q in the FBI, and unfinished mind melds. This week, we continue down an interesting path that will hopefully lead us back to this prime universe that we think we're all supposed to be heading towards. So why don't you come and join us on our stroll? My name is Mike Bovia, and this is Discovering Trek Picard. Joining us on Discovering Trek, the Star Trek Universe Companion, presented by Fansets. This week's episode continues to show us the evolution of Gerardi as the Borg Queen and the mental slip and slide that Q is on. And we're eight episodes into Discovering Trek, and it wouldn't be a stretch to say that some of us are probably right behind Q on the slip and slide. Uh, that is, if we weren't on it before him. So I figure with our introductions, we'll start with the most stable of our group, and that's Sabrina. At least I like to think she's the most stable of the group, although our, our discussions before we started recording might say something different. How are you, Sabrina? I'm just fine, Mike. Thanks for having me here. Yes, I am stable, ready and able <laughs> and stable. Well, that's good because we need some kind of balance on the show. <laughs> Uh, so the only thing that sends our next guest down that uh, mental slip and slide is when his predictions are stolen on a weekly basis. Uh, Mike, welcome back as you are here every week. We love uh, <laughs> we, we love the battles between you and uh, Mr. Rogers. Yeah, I, uh, I have to up my game every week and I, I have some good ones for this week. So we'll have to see, see what uh, Jamie brings this week to the yeah. to the ball game last week you brought it i mean you were you were on your a game with last week so we're looking forward to what you got this week and then finally the guy who unfortunately is the craziest but there's a caveat to that because he is on two podcasts with yours truly mr jamie rogers jb <laughs> i well you know what here's another caveat to that he he he's up at night considering where he's going to put all of his autographs. So that could lend something to his state of mind. Right. Yeah, no, it's, it's true. I've got uh scratch paper all over the place, graphing paper, all sorts of things. These are, these are big decisions. How I'm going to arrange these autographs on this wall. So my, my OCD is, you know, needs to be re- reined in. <laughs> now, see the biggest decision I'm thinking is what you're going to do if Alex Kurtzman decides to throw another show into the ring, because if I remember correctly, we had this discussion not long ago where you said, no, nope, no, nope, I can't do it. I'm not getting any of the Picard characters. Uh, I just, I just can't do it. I don't have the space. And where are we now? 
you're getting oh. card characters. <laughs> <laughs> Hence why I had to buy a, like four cases of command strips because uh, <laughs> I had to figure out a way to reincorporate all these new characters. So oh. they can't keep me away. <laughs> all right. So Jamie, why don't you let us know where we can all be found on social media? If you'd like to follow the show on social media, you can find us at discovering Trek, or you can join the conversation on camp Kittimer, answer a few simple questions and our admins, Haley, Jackie, and Fark, will let you in. And this is a reminder that this episode of Discovering Trek provides spoilers for the Picard episode, Mercy. If you have not watched yet, head over to Paramount Plus and watch the episode and then head back. Failure to do so leaves you open to spoilers. Episode 208 of Star Trek Picard, Mercy aired April 21st, 2022. It was written by Cindy Appel and Kirsten Beyer and directed by Joe Menendez. With time running out before the Europa mission, Picard and Guinan must free themselves from FBI custody. Seven and Rafi come face to face with Gerardi and the horror of what she's become. So with those things in mind, We'll talk to our esteemed round table. We'll start with Mike, since I know he's going to bring some positivity to the table tonight. Uh, thumbs up, thumbs down. What are your thoughts as far as that goes, Mike? I give this episode two thumbs up. And uh, I think it is very evident that Kristen Beyer is part of the writing for this episode. It is just a well-crafted uh scene by scene, the way things are folded into one another. I think it all works really well. And um, I know she co-wrote the episode, um, but it also reminded me that this is a chapter in a book. Um, and so I think that we are kind of looking at episodes sometimes as this big flashy thing, like this one and done or, or a movie level, which often these are, you know, discovery is often a, a movie level like production value and everything. So it may feel like that, but, um, but I think this is a great reminder that this is a chapter in, in the book of Picard. And uh, we are, yes, we are in, you know, the second part of this and episode eight, and it feels like time is running out, but we do have a whole nother book yet to come or a whole nother act yet to come. And um, I know we were all kind of hoping for, some sort of wrap up to this and but i i think we're we're moving more and more towards a best of both worlds type finale for for season two um so you know i um i'm a little disappointed by that uh, and also excited by that i guess i'm kind of in both camps but um but i think it's just uh, it's a great episode a lot of great moments in this uh, some really, you know, highlighting some phenomenal acting and uh, some really standout one-on-one uh, -on -one or one-on-two conversations. And you know what? I am interested in seeing an 80s sitcom with uh, Vulcans and um, what they're doing in the 1980s. So maybe there's a new comedy idea that Alex is kind of floating out there. Well, they, they have to stay home because who's the boss is on. So, you know, <laughs> Fair. yeah, perfect strangers, the Vulcan yep. edition. I don't know, you know, something Ooh. like that, but bosom buddies, um, 
Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so yeah, so other than that, you know, that's a you know, it's it's kind of funny that they're there, and I'm you know, I we don't get an explanation or anything like that, but I mean. It was, uh, you know, it was another piece of the puzzle. And I, I think that uh, what happens because of all of that is important um, in the end. So, um, yeah, and we'll, I'm, I know we'll get into it more with key points mm -hmm. in a little bit. But uh, I enjoyed this episode. I've watched it twice and just in like just reveled in the acting and also uh, the music at some parts of it was really good this week. So, mm. um, yeah, definitely enjoyed it. Agreed on that. Uh, Sabrina, what about you? Thumbs up, thumbs down? Uh, yeah, I got one thumbs up. Definitely. You know, it's, it's a, it was, um, it was something at least we got somewhere with this. So I was happy that it's moving along. Although even though we're out of the basement, we were stuck in the interrogation room, but all right, fine. Um, I really love the young guy in I could just watch her all day long. And I totally love that. I love that part of the interrogation. The, I did love the dialogue that they were all having, all three actors. Um, it was really great. And as you were saying, Mike, I heard some, I heard some music that was really breaking, making my heart sing. Um, Rafi is like a shrew in this season. I mean, she's just yelling at everybody. That woman... She needs some, I don't know, she needs some Marvin Gaye, some sexual healing or something. She needs to do something talking about everything and you're not doing anything. And then I I loved Rios and Teresa. That was, I'm telling you, that little scene they had was one of the most romantic scenes I have seen in Star Trek. Tell me something I would only find out after I'd known you for 10 years. That Somebody lived that. That was some real mm -hmm. stuff. I don't know which one of those women actually had that conversation with their significant other, but that sounded very real. <laughs> and the other thing I really, um, I definitely, I love the Spanish speaking in that. I, I just finally, you know, Rios got to speak in yeah. Spanish and I was just totally all there for it. And I did love that Elnor, Finally, we see Elmore. So that made my heart happy too. So that those were mm. my big things. Yeah, I I struggled a little bit with this episode as to whether to go thumbs up or thumbs down because there's a lot of things that I really like about this episode. But I feel like this Gerardi as the Borg Queen thing is just it's just dragging out uh, some of the. And it feels like that is like this a story that's just kind of hanging there. Whereas I think some of these other stories that are, would be considered a B story should be elevated uh, above that. And the Gerardi thing should just be like a background thing. We know she's the queen. We know, we know what she's trying to do. So I, I think for me, I'm going to say thumbs up, but just barely, because there are a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the same things, uh, Mike and Sabrina, that you talked about. Uh, I, I feel the same way about, uh, you know, I thought I thought it was funny how with that, uh, tell me, you know, we've been married for 10 years, uh, but we're starting to grow apart and you're thinking about cheating on me. And he goes, and this is what you consider romantic. 
you know that that, that was good I, I appreciated that that was a lot of fun but uh uh i'm gonna talk a little bit more about uh, what you're saying about uh raffi because believe it or not i think she actually ties into uh dr soong in this episode a little bit uh, so we'll see where that goes uh, but those are my thoughts. Thumbs up, just barely. Uh, I'm not blown away by it, but I didn't hate it either. And now the moment you've all been waiting for, where is Jamie's thumb going? Well, I mean, like you, I, I kind of really toiled with how I felt about this episode. Um, I'm going to go thumbs down on it. I, I'm just... Uh, this I'm is just now struck. three weeks in a row. Yeah, he's I know. It's, shooting them down. It's like it's. I'm just struggling to with where the season's going right now for for me, me, me personally, and and, it, and I and I have to say preface it by saying there are things that I really liked about this episode, um, but I, I struggle with the fact of like I feel like things aren't getting tied up at all. Like there, there's just so many loose ends, and and every week where I think we're gonna you know, start tying certain things up. We start raising more questions like these Vulcans now. Okay. Like we're on episode eight right. of season two and it's like, we're just getting we're gonna, this. Yep. Yeah. We're not, now we're going to introduce Vulcans into the mix and how, how, you know, how they're affecting the timeline and, and things like that. And, you know, like, you know, like I just said, there, there are things that I really like about this episode. Um, you know, I think, you know, Girardi is, once again, you know, hitting it out of the park, Teresa, Teresa and Rios, their dynamic, their relationship is great. Still don't understand why she's on the ship. <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to say that, you know, um, yeah, I'm just struggling with it. I, I mean, like I said, there are things I like about it. I like the, the, the conversation that we saw between Elnor and Raffi too. Cause it, you know, I think it really kind of informs our Raffi character as to why she is really hell bent on fixing this timeline, you know, basically because she's the one responsible for Elnor, you know, making the decision to go into the Academy early. Um, so things like that, like I said, there were some high points, but overall, I, I just, I can't get around this episode and embrace it. So it's a thumbs down for me. Please specify how you would like to proceed, sir. Okay, so key points that stuck out to all of us from this episode. And, you know, this is where we're able to get into a little bit more detail on stuff. Uh, so, uh, Sabrina, why don't you uh, jump into the fold first here? Okay, well, you know, my whole real problem with this is that I love Cristobal. <laughs> that is my guy. He's the captain of the Stargate. He's the captain of La Serena. And now he's acting like a fool. He needs to get back on mission. <laughs> it's just ever since he hit his head, he's been just like crazy. He's got his, they got arrested. And then he's, you know, he doesn't know how to use the thing. And he's bringing kids on board. He's eating cake. I am just like, oh my God, what is he doing? So I'm hoping that I, I am trusting in the writers. <laughs> that they're going to bring him back as the badass I know he can be. You know, give him back the cigar, give him whatever he needs. 
but he needs to get back on the horse and let's go. Stop talking with the kid and figure out to figure out what's going on. You, you, I mean, I love this whole love theme thing. I really do. But um, and I don't know where that's going. I don't even understand why that's in there, you know, because <laughs> I don't want this to be some, you know, wiper memory out thing at the end. You know, and I'll save that for later. But um, yeah, so that one's bothering me. And then the other thing that really bothers me is um if you're going to say that Raffi and and Seven are the main event, as Raffi's trying to say they are, I think it's one of the least romantic pairings I've ever seen. I mean, these people have just had like a fingertip touch. So mm-hmm. you know, don't, don't even try to tell me you're the main event, because right now you ain't doing smack. So it, it is like that. And then, and then the other thing that's really getting on my nerves, and I just want to say, why they always got to pull a sister up by her neck and hold her up in the, in the sky. This is like a new move for Star Trek. Like they did it twice to burn them with somebody had her by the throat and put her oh, up. Wow. Controlled Arium did it to her. And then now they did it to Raffi. I'm like, you know what? I'm really getting a little sick of this move. <laughs> you need to stop messing with the sisters. With, with this hmm. move. What is this? Um, it just really is a very, it's a, very disturbing move for me to have somebody grab by that neck like that and then pick you up and let you dangle. You know, I'm like, all right, you do this one more time to a sister, I'm going to have some words. And then the other thing that got me was um, it, it. I like Seven in this. I'm fascinated by Seven struggling with not being Borg and being human. I, I think that is one of the most interesting things in this whole, you know, week where you're talking about here's a here's a childhood trauma that somebody is stuck in a childhood trauma. And we really haven't, you know, examined this one that much. But I, I love her trying to be bored without the implants. And I, I that was really great. So those are my things. <laughs> Very personal things. But, you know, I got a problem with that move. You know, Sabrina, I kind of want to agree with you on the, the seven and Raffi thing. I mean, obviously mm-hmm. this was something, this relationship was kind of teased at the end of season one and, you know, but it's like, there's just that, con- it's almost like I- I've seen in other, you know, sort of movies or shows where you have these two characters and you want to see them get together and things like that. But it's like, I don't feel like the writers are doing a good enough job of selling that, that we want to see mm-hmm. these two characters together. Yeah, like yeah, I, I feel like it's me. it's a complete missed opportunity with you know, and I think they have a great dynamic together, but I just I just feel like their scenes together are just they're okay. They're, they're just not they're mm-hmm. not old. They're not old. <laughs> they wowing. seem like they've been together for ten years and they're thinking right. of sleeping with somebody else. <laughs> Yeah. So let me, so let me jump in here a second. So uh, one of the things that they talked about, I think I brought this up on another episode uh, during the junket, the question was asked of Michelle and Jerry, you know, are are we going to see a continuation of this relationship of seven and Rafi? And they said, you will, but not in the traditional sense of like the romanticism, uh, the, the kiss, the kissy, the huggy, that kind of stuff. And it was played off by the writers as it's not the circumstances for something like that. And I can agree to an extent, you know, you don't want to see this whole romantical side of things when they're fighting for their lives, Mm -hmm. but we're not even getting like 
an ancillary relationship either. Like you said, Sabrina, it's like they are the old married couple that's bickering all the time. And, you know, they, they stay married because that's what people do, you know? And, you know, I feel like too, that it's weird because I feel like they almost have amnesia week to week. It feels like one week, Mm -hmm seven's really focused on the mission and Rafi's distracted. And then like the next week, it's like Rafi's all in on the mission and seven's distracted. It's like, like they're forgetting week to week how these characters are and and where they're at. And like, like this episode, I kind of felt like seven was on her game and and knew what she was doing. And Rafi was like kind of all over the place Mm -hmm. in in another world. And, and I, I don't know. It's just, I just feel like it's, not being executed to the best of, of, you know, the writer's ability here. No, I'm like, you know what? Just give it up. These two are not a couple and just, you know, make them best friends, mm-hmm. make them battle buddies. I'm good with that. But stop with the, Oh, this is, I'm the main event. This is the love of my life. Oh, please. No, you're not. Yeah. I think I struggle with that, that comment, but I, I, I see how the two of them relate to one another and, and I see the relationship. I see the caring for one another, even though they're bickering. Um, I I feel the connection between the two of them. And I think that one of the things that we forget because we're watching this weekly is that this is only, again, we're talking about in the span of three days. So... Yeah, it's a we, snapshot, we forget, you're right. Yeah, we, we forget, though, that you know, a day and a half or two days ago, she saw Elnor killed. So she's still, you know, Rafi, for instance, is still in the throes of, of grief. And, and now she's having memories of, you know, or, you know, the conversation with Seven sparks this memory that she is manipulative. Um, and that all brings up the whole story of how Elnor is sort of guilted into going to Starfleet Academy early when um, he's actually called back to his home world and, and, they need his help for something. So um, there's that. Also, you know, the other piece of this is that I've listened to, and I don't know if all of you have uh, listened to the audiobook um, f- uh, about them, and they're the main, mm-hmm. you know, they're the main focus of it. So it kind of covers that time in between, um, in between season one and season two, uh, and gives a little bit more context to their relationship. Um, so, I mean, I, I enjoy their dynamic. I think that there's a lot emotionally going on and Rafi has, you know, is prone to alcoholism and and uh, and fighting grief and she doesn't have the, the tools. You know, there's no counselor on board. So there's no, you know, there's no, uh, and she's not drinking. So how she might've coped with it before is no longer an issue. So she's, you know, navigating that and seven, uh, is and I thought this episode really highlighted it. Seven is dealing with the fact that she doesn't have the implants and what it's like to be fully human. So she's not known this for you know forty odd years or whatever. She you know she was six or seven when she was assimilated. So uh, so she's also struggling in a different way. So I, I, I you know I, I give them a lot of credit that there's still there's a closeness to to one another. Um, but also, you know, they're, they're both taking different career directions right now. So it's sort of a, before all of this happened, it's sort of a long distance relationship or we're figuring it out as we kind of go along when we see each other. So it's, it's really a complex relationship that I kind of find 
Um, you know, I, I think that we see Rios and Ter Teresa and that's, that seems very natural and that seems very, you know, I don't know, perfect is not the right word, but just meant to be and just like a, you know, a, a good balance between the two of them. And this is a, just a different type of relationship. This is two career professionals who are in different phases of their career trying to figure, you know, figure out how they can work in a relationship. And then all of this stuff happens. Uh, and now we're dealing with grief and we're dealing with loss of, you know, a, a new identity almost without the implants. So there, I just feel like if you if if you're watching this and you take a step back and just kind of put that all in your head, you can kind of see the relationship and 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 go with it. Um, my problem with the whole scene with them and Girardi, I didn't even pick up. Uh, and I'm sorry that I didn't, Sabrina, on the the choking piece, a, a white woman choking a person of color, um, but. I also, I also thought that that was a very, um, I don't know, Rafi, Rafi and seven are badasses and they, you know, to be so easily, um, pushed aside by Girardi in this, I mean, yeah. Girardi is still, you know, the queen is still becoming strong, you know, she's not, you know, yeah, she's just ingested a bunch of batteries and has all that metal running through her system or whatnot, but you know, come on, like Rafi was slow on the take with the gun with her phaser. And, you know, seven was completely taken off guard. Like, you know, I get it. There's a lot going on. And, you know, I, everything I just said is part of the contact anymore. Yeah. It's human seven. Yep. Yeah. Human seven. Yeah. Do shit. <laughs> so yeah, I get, yeah, I guess that's, that's true. But I just thought that they were bested way too easily. Yeah, um, and I felt like there should have been a little bit more of a, of a fight that would have, been worthy of the three of them. Uh, they were the two of about them. all the personal crap. Get get on yep. yaddy, yeah. yaddy, yaddy. Well, well that kind of takes me back to what I was saying before, how it just it seems like the driving force of this story for the last three episodes has been Agnes and her transformation into the Borg Queen. Like, yeah, we get it. She assimilated her. That was three episodes ago. We could be at this point already, but we're not. So mm. let's get, let's please get it moving. Um, I miss Ian. I miss Annie in the Borg body. And where's the Borg body anyway? It's in the cooler or something. Yeah, it's in the cooler. Yeah. Right, where Next the kid is running around. Where the kid is running yeah. around, like yeah. unsupervised. Thank you. Yep. <laughs> Borg bodies and dead bodies and Rios just letting the kid run around. Like, what is wrong so I mean, I, going back to your comment about Rios, though, I think that this is someone who's felt a connection with Teresa and is making decisions based upon feeling in love. You know, feeling in love and you know, almost like a teenage kind of love, but a little bit more mature than that, where he's making decisions that are sort of in that realm of, of being a teenager, but. I, you know, he, he was on the ready room and, uh, he, he, in, he's enjoying exploring this part of his character. And mm -hmm. he said, you know, this, you know, this sort of relationship was never part of, you know, his past as in the character's past. Right. So this is a new, new thing for him. And so, yeah, I, I do agree. Like, yes, he's way off book here. Um, you know, way off mission, but you know, he did bang his head. So there's he that. Did bang um, his head. <laughs> Uh, but also, you know, 
yeah, he's you know, it's also a, uh, almost yeah. I don't I don't know. It's almost I'm, a time to reevaluate. Mm. I'm gonna trust. I'm gonna trust. Yeah. I gotta bring. I, mean, I gotta bring yeah. my boy back because he yep. can't be this. You know, he can't be and doing it, this to me. And it is a welcome distraction, I'll say. The byplay between the two of them, considering everything else that's going on. Um, and Mike, I gotta say, you know, how you describe the uh Rafi and Seven relationship is the reason why we do a round table because like it seems like the three of us almost couldn't see the forest for the trees and and you pulled you pulled something different out of there, which is great. Um and I can see everything that you're saying too. Um and especially the point that they made that you made about um the audiobook. Um because that was where they said that's where you're getting the romantical side of um seven and Rafi um uh, you know the one thing I'll say is it just it, right now it the way they're portraying the two of them it's not I think what I myself and I think a lot of fans expected from the two of them even knowing that we're not gonna get the lovey-dovey stuff but we're still just kind of not getting what we thought we might've been signing up for based off of the time between the last episode of season one and where we are now. Yeah. yeah I mean, you know, it's a complex relationship, but uh, you know, yeah. but go ahead, mm-hmm. Sabrina. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I'm not looking for the lovey dovey stuff either all the time, but I'm not feeling, I didn't read the audiobook. So I'm I'm looking for it in the show. So I I'm not getting it that these two have some basis for whatever's going on, other than you know you telling me that this is the main event because they don't seem like that to me, even in their anger and mm. whatever. Because you know what, one of the themes of this whole franchise this season is people dealing with their trauma and still yeah. being the shit. You know, Picard was back in the day. You know, these people have had the issue. Even Gerardi had her, whatever, whatever. You know, Tilly's had her problems. Everybody has a childhood trauma in Star Trek, but they execute. And so when you come to this and we see the fumbling, bumbling, and we're like, yeah, 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 I know you got some stuff you got to work through. But hey, listen, we are on mission. <laughs> That's why you're Starfleet. That's why we're aboard her. So let's mm-hmm. get going, people. Let's get it going. It's episode eight. I don't really give a hoo-ha about whatever's going on. Find the queen and let's get to stepping. <laughs> oh, I'd be an awful captain. You'd be a good first officer, though. Hello. <laughs> you're you're giving me uh, Carol Freeman vibes in that episode where she like was all on top of everybody. You know, like everyone yes. had certain amount of minutes to finish their work and they had oh, the next yeah. task. Yeah. I, I can't think of the episode no, name, but uh, I'm channeling a senior director of the tax department just a few days after tax season. That's what it's just the remnants of that. Let's go, people. So, so tax accountants, do they factor in buffer time as well? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we invented it. <laughs> so, one last thing, uh, kind of coming off of what we were saying with the, you know, the comparison of Rios and Teresa to. Raffi and seven. Um, I can, I, I like what you were saying, Mike, about um, how Rios has never had this before. 
And we're kind of exploring that development of his character in this way. But at the same time, seven hasn't had this before. I'd love to see that explored in her character as well. Um, Now, you know, the other thing you... (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't count. That's garbage. That is that's just that's just plain garbage. We we're forgetting that that ever happened. <laughs> um but you know, also to your point, it's a chapter in a book, and you know, there's only so much you can do in each chapter. Uh I just feel like they should have been sprinkling some pieces along uh during this, but uh I mean that's uh, as a as a uh, as a wise person once said, that's all I got to say about that. <laughs> I think I think this whole season will make better sense to everyone. You know, thinking about these things when you get to watch it all the way through, yeah, and you can kind of see that this is it. It feels like it's taking a long time for Girardi to become the board green. You know, but again, we're talking about a three day window here you know, 72 hours that this is all happening in and we're watching it over 10 weeks. So, or eight weeks, whatever, you know, whenever they got back to their, that timeline. And uh, so, yeah, I, but I can see how it's hard and it gets frustrating because the, you know, when Johnson and I talk about this on deep space pride, we, you know, we, we consider this whole, um, you know, going off to the FBI office being like a side quest, all these side quests when you really want to get to the the mission at hand. And, mm-hmm. and there does seem to feel like there's a lot of side quests in this, this season of Picard where the crew is, um, and I, and I think actually, you know, they said it, uh, Jerry and, um, why can't I think of Cristobal, uh, Chris's oh, Santiago name. Cabrera. Santiago, Santiago Cabrera. yeah. They they said, you know, they said that you know, there this episode or this one coming up is the first time where the crew is all back together again, almost. You know, so they've mm-hmm. all been on these separate side missions. Um, so you know, I, you know, that's I don't know. I, I you know, I've my prediction is still sticking for. Um, well, I don't know if it's mine or Jamie's. It's hard to tell which way that <laughs> goes now. But anyway, um, I've got some more stuff on that later on. But um, <laughs> can we talk? Can we talk a little bit about what we've learned about uh, Guinan and Q in all of this? Oh yeah, yeah. I absolutely. love. Please well, talk about should it. we should should we should we take a second since we've all been oozing positivity and let Jamie rain on the parade? <laughs> sure let's let's do it well, jamie tell us what's wrong with the world today oh uh, here we go well uh, you know and i kind of alluded to this earlier i i think pacing in this episode is definitely a problem for me um you know you guys talk about the whole board queen thing kind of dragging on i feel like that's obviously the main story here and you know it's just taking way too long to develop and you know how hard is it to find her too? I think like they've kind of made it where it's like, where is she? I mean, they, they have this, all this technology. They can't find where she is, but she's wearing yeah. a bright friggin' red dress too. Well, but it's just, I mean, <laughs> you know, you can program your tricorders to find anything. And you, you're telling me you can't find board components in Los Angeles. I don't know, but I, I have to say the whole FBI investigation thing. I, I was disappointed 
of how it turned out. I, I watched the last episode and I was like, wow, we got this great cliffhanger of how is Picard and Guinan going to get out of this? And I'm thinking along the lines of like, they, you know, you got FBI agents who saw transporter technology. You got them identifying them as breaking into the gala. You got them identifying that Rios broke out of the ice detention center. So I'm kind of like thinking, wow, this is going to be a great mystery for Picard to figure out how to get out of. And then we watched this episode and I was just like, that's it. That's, that's where we're at. To me, that FBI thing was, was kind of like a distraction from the main story that's going along. I mean, we have all these plot threads that we're trying to figure out what are Q's plans? You know, how are Picard and the crew going to save the future? What, where's Adam Soong's connection, all this. And I really don't feel we, we advanced the plot at all in any of those areas. You yeah, know, we're bar- we've barely seen John Delancey in this episode. Yeah. And, and, and then, you know, we, we, we established that there's this major trauma, which once again, I don't know what that has to do with the future, but we established this major trauma in the previous episode. We don't talk about it. You know, it, it's, we, we, we stopped there. And then I look at two phenomenal actresses that we've had in recent episodes. The, the, the girl who played Renee Picard, the girl who played, you know, Talon Orla Brady, they're not in the episode. Once again, two major components to this plot. And we're just like, what is going on with Renee Picard? Where is she? What's going on? How, what's, what's her emotional state? Is she in quarantine? We, we don't know. Right. So and it, somebody tried to hit her with a car and then that's the left. But she knew the yeah. car was aiming at her. And yeah. this old guy gets in front of it. And then it was just like, okay, bye, Renee. Well, that's that's my point. And, and you know, this episode does establish that her going on this Europa mission, you know, basically she comes up with the technology that's gonna, you know, mess up all of Adam Soom's work, you know, mm-hmm. disavow it or you know, discredit it or whatever whatever happens where is she what <laughs> like uh, it, it it just bothers me bothers me it's um, gonna render his work obsolete yeah that renders work the, on, yeah. that was that was the, the word i'm looking for but i just i i just struggle with the pacing of this episode um some cool things that i kind of picked out i hate to go all biblical you know <laughs> on this oh. podcast but you know when q was tempting Corey with the blue magic pill water that you, you like to say, Sabrina, I kind of feel like I'm in the book of Genesis where Satan is tempting Eve. You know, I, I kind of made that, that connection of like Satan tempting Eve. And and, it's it's interesting that, you know, he puts on the, the note freedom. And then that was the same thing that Satan was trying to sell Adam and Eve freedom, right? You know, you're going to be like God, you can make decisions. You're going to know right and wrong. And I almost feel like it's the same exact thing that, that he's portraying Satan in this and here, take this, take this pill. You're going to be able to do whatever you want. You're not going to need your father anymore. You're not going to need his guidance. Mm -hmm. You're not going to need him to tell you what's right and wrong. And now where does she go from here? Because she walked away from him. She walked. Yeah. She walked away. So what havoc is she going to render to the rest of this story? Right. She's got all this knowledge now, the knowledge of right and wrong and, and who she is and that she's not human. What's going to happen with her, you know, which is once again, another plot thread that's being introduced that 
I don't know whether they're going to wrap it up at the end of the season. Mike, he might, he might have just surpassed you this week with that one. <laughs> I mean, that was good, Jamie. That's almost a mic drop there. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, it's Sunday night. We're getting Preacher Jamie with us right now. So deep thoughts with Jamie Rogers. Eating the fruit. I do I do think that it does, what you point out here, Jamie, is is valid. I think that we don't know why why what the motivation is with Q here. Uh, because it's it's creating this chaos in Adam Sung that is actually the problem that, you know with Renee and, and him that, that the Borg queen now has to explain to him. So it's, it's, it's weird that it feels like he's moving chess pieces, but he's like not playing to win anymore. He's just, you know, he's, he's, he's almost like, uh, you know, data when he played that guy with the game. uh, Strategium. Yeah. Strategium. Strategium. That's what it was. um, And he plays to, to, you know, data plays to to um, what is it to to not um, not lose he plays to not, not lose. lose. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he basically doesn't play to win. He plays to just stalemate or whatever. Yes, and I feel like that's what Q is doing right now. Is all of these different moves are just playing to stalemate. They're not really, um, you know, they're you know, especially with Corey. I don't I don't get this whole Corey mm. and Adam Sung piece mm-hmm. at all. Um, other than you know, Girardi did reaffirm kind of that that mission that he needs to take that Sung needs to take out Renee. So we we at least got the confirmation that Renee is sort of the the pinnacle of this timepiece, which we were kind of unsure. I, I was kind of unsure about because we had this whole Corey Adam Sung storyline, and then we had the Renee Picard storyline, and like which one of these is actually the the tipping point? And I guess they sort of are together, but. You know, now Girardi slash the board queen is basically saying that he still needs to do that. He still needs to stop that from happening in order to to save his life. So or to save his future, um, which I thought was kind of kind of interesting. But, uh, you know, I, I'm just still really curious what Q's motives are here. And, and at least with that part of the story, I think that the Q and Ganon piece is very interesting, and I've got definitive mm-hmm. thoughts about that. I, well, you know, I was, oh, I was just going to say, I'm kind of wondering if this whole thing. So Ganon made the comment that it seems like Q is crazy. I'm kind of wondering if this craziness is affecting how he's acting, and like how he's carrying out his plot, so to speak. And I'm also wondering if this dying that he's going through uh, the end of his immortality, if this was a sentence that was passed on to him by the continuum and the only way he can get out of it is for Picard to prove once again, what humanity can do. Um, and so Q is throwing them into this scenario because he made the comment, the trap is in material. It's the escape that has meaning uh, regarding them ending up back there in the past. So 
I, I don't know. I, I'm I am thoroughly confused as to where he's going with all of this. That's just kind of me, uh, you know, taking the pieces of broken glass and trying to make a, a new portrait with it. <laughs> yeah, and I was gonna say too, uh, you know, a lot of your points, Mike, that'll make make a lot of sense. But it's like it seems like. I can't tell whether he's working against Picard or he's working for like working exactly. to help him. Exactly. I mean, it's like he's doing moves and then he's almost doing like a counter move to what he had done. He's like almost undoing what he does. And it's like, you know, like he was the one that commissioned Adam Soong to kill Renee. But then at, at the other time, he's like, well, I'm trying to help Picard. It's like it's it's hard to really kind of figure out and you wonder if you know it's because of some of the other things that are going on you know or the fact that he's dying but i'm just i'm confused <laughs> i'm thoroughly confused <laughs> as as i'm watching it and you know wondering where we're gonna go and yeah like i said this this episode confused me even more because i really think it it because there was there was moments where he was saying that he was like in support of Picard. Like, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to help him. I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this. And he, you know, he came here on his own and I'm trying to help him. And I, I don't know. It's just, uh, I'm confused. <laughs> it's like he's schizophrenic or something. Like he's had some mental break yeah. or, or something like this. Um, it's almost like it's two people. It's almost like it's like a yeah, yeah. It's almost like a we said that in the beginning that there were two cues. We said that we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we did talk about the possibility. Yeah, the possibility of having a younger cue, a younger th- version of him back in time. We said why was yeah. this cue in the original first episode? It seemed like he was for Picard, and then the cue in this scenario is against him and I, I said that they look like there's two cues but um we don't know what is going on and and you know i'll save my thing for the for the predictions but um i i had one prediction right i did say that that little boy was not picard i told you all that you did oh, i said right, that right, is right. not picard i i got my romulans and my vulcans mixed up but who knew they were back there at that time yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure you Creek. said that back when we were just talking about the trailer, too. I said that was so, not Picard. Yeah. So, Mike, did you still have something that you wanted to talk about with uh, Q and uh, Guinan? I mean, did I, you, I did, did just really, I did really just enjoy their, you know, their encounter um, and, and how Guinan was sort of piecing things together. Like, you're, you know, like, basically told us because she's, you know, she is who she is. She told us that he's dying, uh, mm-hmm. which is something that he can't even say out loud necessarily. So I have some thoughts about where that's going to lead later on, but, um, but I, I just really like loved the dynamic and that he had to walk, he had to pretend to be an FBI, which is also like he, I don't know how he's, he's able to be a, you know, psychologist or, you know, a therapist, a, you know, go from place to place. Oh, and the other thing he did was like, suddenly he made this box of the blue liquid appear at the door at the very moment. So that's the other piece like that's confusing because he doesn't have powers. He's got some powers, but he doesn't have all of them. Couldn't vaporize Guinan, but he can make the box show up. Yeah, it's just really weird. It's like inconsistent. So I think that that was that also threw me off when she was going through the program and he said all of a sudden the blue the box was there. Like 
it just didn't make any sense. And then you see him later on and he walks into the cell with Guinan and he basically tells her, I had to walk here, you know? So I'm like, what is going on with him? And, and, <laughs> and what is he, the master of disguise now? Like he can put on an FBI jacket and just walk in like he's, so it's just really confusing what powers he has and what powers he doesn't have. And whether there's more than one of him, I don't, you know, it's just, it, it just feels like, yeah, I feel schizophrenic trying to even <laughs> unpack this. Um, but, but I love, you know, Ido does such, she does such an amazing job playing Guinan. I mean, it's just, you know, I was sort of sad that they were leaving the bar and leaving her behind. I, I really Me wanted her too. to come along uh, with them, obviously that, you know, temporal mechanics and all that aside, but um, she's so amazing. And, and uh, so it's, you know, I feel like we've might've seen the end of, of that piece of the adventure. Um, yeah. So she um, still has to end up in the Nexus in 300 years. So, or 200 years. I do too. I do too. Yeah. And you know, yeah. I tell you, I watched the ready room with her and it was so funny because in my notes for the show, I wrote down those camel suede boots. I wanted those boots. And she said she felt like she knew who her character was when she slipped on those boots. And when she was sitting there in the interrogation chair and she had her feet up with the boots, I was like, oh, that's my girl right there. But, you know, one thing I want to say about this, and I think this is really funny because a lot of the Voyager people are going absolutely crazy because the person that played Agent Wells, they yep. were hoping there was going to be this connection to relativity which they admitted they just totally dropped the ball on that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure this actor came in and, you know, everything was all set in stone. And by the time he got there, he's like, well, you know, I already did this time thing with seven way back. And they were like, yeah, whatever. I said, so now I think <laughs> Voyager people understand how DS9 people feel about the Leah Brahms debacle <laughs> and mm -hmm. how they dropped the ball on that one. I said, this, she is now your, that Wells is your Leah Brahms. Cause we're still yeah. mad that, you didn't get that this was supposed to be Daystrom's granddaughter and you just wrote it because you miscast. You just like screwed mm -hmm. the whole thing up. <laughs> so I feel bad for the Voyager people. I'm very sorry that Agent Wells is not really the guy from Relativity, but they could have so easily just give me another line, just write any little thing to bring mm -hmm. that together. It would have been perfect. Can we actually talk about the, the Agent Wells thing? Because I think it's it's another interesting you know, this, this plot, uh, the subplot of trauma, childhood trauma, obviously we just saw it with, you know, mm -hmm. with Picard, you know, obviously we're kind of seeing, you know, I, I want to kind of make a comparison, you know, obviously I kind of struggled with how quickly Jean-Luc Picard was able to convince Rene Picard to go on this mission, right. With, with that short period of time, that they were together, but I, you know, I kind of feel very similar to this situation that, you know, you got this agent Wells, who's basically spent an entire lifetime traumatized by this alien encounter where he, he doesn't understand it. It's driven his career, his life. And then he spends, you know, a few minutes with, with captain Picard and Patrick Stewart. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I can leave my job. I'm good. I have peace now. <laughs> you know, like I'm good. Oh, he's a Vulcan. Oh, yeah, that's I, oh, he's what a Vulcan. Like, what? They were they were doing a mind melt. 
That explains it all. It explains yeah, it all. Right. This is great. And I, I just got fired. It's okay. Like, I'm good. <sighs> <laughs> totally it, made no it, sense. It, it, I, like, you're free to this, go. Yeah. Th- th- Thanks, this there is, were pictures. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, I, like I said, I feel like they're really trying to harp on this childhood trauma and, and yeah. you know, make this like a running theme, but it, they're just they're tying it up else. too quickly. Yeah, they're yeah. tying it up way too mm-hmm. quickly, and it's it's just it's becoming not believable, you know. And I'm just um, it's it's taking me out of the moment completely, you know. When I when I see stuff like that, I think it was interesting if they could have mm-hmm. explored it more, but once again, they just try to wrap it up really quick and kind of leave us wanting more, you know. Well, or, I, or even I, you know. Bring him to the Lost Arena too, you know. Let Asian yeah, Ross there you go. Too. <laughs> have him break them out. Have him be the one to to get rid of the photos, to get rid of everything, and mm-hmm. go with them. Because you know what? Tell me who these Vulcans are, because I gotta know. But no, we just like it's like, oh, okay, I'm going home. I got my mug, and I'm out of here. <laughs> so, so I gotta say, I, I did, I did like um, a couple pieces that went along with with this whole thing. So. Uh, You've said a couple of times, Sabrina, you know, where the Vulcans come from. So somebody pointed out this week on Twitter, and I, I because I never write stuff down, I, I don't remember who it was. So if you said it, here's your credit. Uh, <laughs> um, they mentioned that there was like this throwaway line at the end of um, Carbon Creek, Carbon Creek. That, that there would be another survey mission going to Earth in yep. 20 to 30 years. So, yeah. I mean, that hits right at uh, the 80s timeline for Wells, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was what uh, Picard said to him about he wasn't trying to hurt you. He was trying to mind meld with you so you would forget what you saw. And, like, it didn't click with me right away, but it brought me back to TOS and uh, Requiem for Methuselah, right. where where uh, Spock did the mind meld on Kirk to forget about uh Raina Kopik um, yep. and like the love that he had for her before she died. So, and even didn't Beverly do it when they were discovered one time? Yeah, when, you know, they were observing not, that was just a medical procedure, though, not right. a mind. Melt. Exactly. So, yeah, right. not a mind. Yep. No, they got to use your human technology. Yep. So, she, she even erased the mind. You know, they didn't want mm. these people to know that they had been observing them. And, and Starfleet observed people for what years or whatever yep. before they actually made first contact. So this whole thing with the Vulcan being there didn't mean, you know, it was fine. Right. I, mean, I, I get that they would be there, but you know, it was just, you know. yeah. I just thought that was a cool point that someone brought out about that yeah. throwaway line at the end of carbon Creek. Like I, I, I didn't pick up on that. No, that's, that's really helpful to hear that. That makes things a lot more sensical now. Mm-hmm. But to just to Jamie's point, I actually didn't feel like this was a picture of childhood trauma necessarily. I mean, I felt like um, it was a, an experience in childhood that sort of drove him. And, and there were a lot of parallels for me between him and Mulder from X-Files. You know, this yeah. this kind of experience as a child that makes you go and look for these extraordinary things. and And so he's kind of like one of those, you know, weird kids i mean we're all weird kids because you know or at least we were growing up probably if we like this stuff so mm-hmm. you know i feel like he's just um that that's the situation with him and what um what comes out of it is really like 
what Guinan says to him at the door as he's leaving. Like if you go back and just listen to that last few seconds, like those last 30 to 60 seconds of, of their interaction, basically she, and, and I, I believe in this just in life in general, you know, things, things move you in certain directions without you really even knowing it. And, and the way that Guinan kind of explains it is you needed that, that happened to you. And that caused all these things in your life to happen, to bring you to this point, to set us free, essentially. And, you know, for me, uh, just the way that I think about life in general, I think that we're all like everything that's ever happened to me personally has pushed me or nudged me in a certain direction. And that that course, you know, my the course of my whole life has been, you know, planned or what, you know, not necessarily planned, but it's just it comes comes out in the end of where you're supposed to be and all those little things push you along the way. And so I, I thought that that was really powerful for Ganon to say that to him. And, and I think, you know, if someone said that to me, I, I, I think I would, you know, I can't say for certain, but I, I think, I, you know, I would after a time realize that, yeah, that's kind of the case. Maybe that was the whole point of everything that's happened to me or all these things that have happened to me. It, you know, gave me this, this push. And, you know, in the end he does get to believe, you know, he does get to believe in extra, like have proof, quote unquote proof that there are extraterrestrials. And so he's sort of vindicated. And so he can sort of put that to rest and kind of move forward in whatever the next phase of his life is. Um, so no, I, I think I, he was definitely a traumatized kid though, because he yeah, thought that I, man was trying to kill him. Well, well that's, uh, you know, I, I really um, respect your point, Mike, but like, when I watched the sequence, it to me it was like they did it in the same style that they uncovered the Picard trauma. Like they they yeah. really dramatized it like it was a major trauma in this, this guy's life, you know. And, and that's where I that's where I'm struggling to say that it's not a trauma. <laughs> yeah, it, it to me it's it was a trauma for him. And you know, and, and like you know, I'm kind of getting into my you know my. Um, thoughts on the episode and the messages, but, you know, I feel like this, this whole theme of mercy, you know, this, this episode title mercy is Picard releasing this guy from this trauma that's going on in his life. You know, Picard just had his major trauma released from him in the previous episode monsters. Now he's turning around and he's releasing the major mm -hmm. traumas from these other people's lives, because mm -hmm. now he's basically like, he he's in a he's he feels empowered to do that now. I I agree with that definitely. And I think Guinan had a part in that too. Yeah, that makes sense. And I wasn't saying that I um that he didn't experience or if I did, I didn't mean that. I didn't mean that he. I I just didn't see it as childhood trauma in that sequence. But I can see how you like others would. And and now that you've explained it, that sort of makes sense more sense to me. But when I was watching it, I didn't feel like he was a traumatized person and maybe because i was just paying attention to the other characters a little bit more and didn't really think too deeply about agent wells but um so yeah what, seen, what, two you know, vulcans not... chased me in the dark and i was looking for my yeah. dog and then came at my head i would have been traumatized i mean you wonder kind of like what his motivation was with the interrogation it was more about like i need somebody to explain what happened to me as opposed to I'm representing the FBI or I'm representing whatever organization, you know, area representing Queens. I was raised yeah. out in Brooklyn. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. Right. It, it just seemed like his mission was not 
you know, something that was government sanctioned. It was more of a personal thing. Like, okay, I, I caught you guys doing all these things, but that's not important. What's important is what happened to me when I was a kid, you need to kind of explain that to me because it's deeply affecting my life. And then they were able to kind of like shift it. Like I said, because anyone else would have blown this up way out of proportion and, and we'd be having major reparations to the timeline that they'd be having. He rang the bell and told everybody, yeah. you know, they're back. He didn't, he, he wanted to put him in the basement and was like, Yo, you gotta tell me something. Yeah, tell me, explain to me why. Like this is or what I've been looking disappear. for. Right. Yeah, but then things, again, he was he was already the crazy in the man in the office. He was already yeah, the crazy right. man in the office. So he he said, I can't say anything until I know for sure that you people are aliens. Mm. That I'm gonna. And he did lose his job. He said it one more time. Well, I thought it, he was vindicated too there when Guinan does kind of let him know, hey, my species, and you kind of see. Yeah. You could see that look in his eye like, hey, I was right. <laughs> yeah. Does anybody else have a problem with the end of the episode where, you know, Girardi shows up to Adam Soong and, and all that stuff? Mm-hmm. And and then all of a sudden, the, you know, the, the scene ends and you come back and there's like a bunch of like assassin troops all of a yeah. sudden. Right. Because, show up. Because the only thing that he said was, I can get us into mission control. Yeah, And then all of a sudden he's got special forces troops. Now this does go back to, um, was it fly me to the moon when they were asking him questions about, um, the work he was doing with the troops. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I think that's what the link is there, but the general been, that gave him the men. Yeah. Right. It would have been nice if he had said like, that was what he could do instead of, I can get us into mission control. Uh, the two didn't work together there. I mean, I don't know. Like I said, just to, and I get it. You got to, you got to advance the plot and, you know, I'm anticipating an action packed episode number nine, obviously, because you got all these special Mm. (laughs) agents with you. Now the thing I, Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, I, uh, it just, I'm, I'm just once again going, I got a nitpick on that scene though. I don't know what special forces person would let someone get within the that person close that close to you without stepping up first and then try to touch your face. That hand would have been snapped off before. <laughs> it's like, I'm, is it the I, red dress? Least, yeah. Okay. At Unless least if one guy, at least if one guy got it, the everybody else would be like, hey, you're not doing that nonsense to me. Right. right? Mm-hmm. I was like, you just totally go stand there with, and let totally her come up to you that. and then put her Although, hand on your face and you're not even going to say anything. Okay. Although, I don't know. If they're the ones that mm-hmm. were being tested on by Soong, Something. they're already screwed up. So, And that's what Jamie's talking about. We didn't mm-hmm. even connect the dots there because I'm like, why yeah. is this guy being like some sheep led to the slaughter? He's supposed yeah. to be the best of the best. But anyway, that's just my nitpick. I was just so done by the end of this thing. I didn't know what to do. <laughs> well, I do like, I do like how... Um, we do get the full explanation of where Adam Soong fits into the future world and why there were statues of him um, in the, con- in the Confederation. So that, that was a good explanation there, but mm-hmm. we went a long way to get that explanation. Oh my God. I mean, I think it, you know, but it's interesting though. And I, and I kind of make the connection of that 
basically they're saying that if our world continues going the way it's going, we're going to turn to somebody like Adam soon to save our ecosystem. And that's what makes him. Yeah. That's basically what it's saying. You know, it's Renee Picard going on her mission, discovering some sort of technology that changes humans viewpoint of themselves and how they feel about each other. That is what, causes the change to happen you know it's just i i I did that was a point that i kind of really um kind of was awesome to me it was a kind of a message that i saw in this episode I'd like to take a moment to talk about Fansets, the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Obviously, we just got back from Mission Chicago, and it was so nice to see Fansets once again in person and to see all the wonderful people that were that are part of Fansets and the many wonderful customers that were surrounding their table. And, and why not? They offer so many great products. Not only do they offer Star Trek for us Star Trek fans, but they have something for every type of fandom, including Scooby-Doo, DC Comics, Batman 66, Harry Potter, and even Rick and Morty. Speaking of Mission Chicago, there were some new releases there that are available now on Fansets website, and they are amazing. And uh, Mike is pointing to them on his board as we speak. Uh, you can pick up all three of the special Mission Chicago pins. They come in three different sizes. One is just the logo from Mission Chicago. One has the background of the uh, Chicago skyline. That's the one I picked up. And then there's an extra large one with the Enterprise D uh, outline and uh, glitter, as well as the uh, Chicago skyline. So those were amazing. But also what was amazing was the new Masterships collection release of the NCC-1701A. And it is an awesome pin. Uh, I I got it and it's on my shelf and it looks amazing. It feels amazing. It's an amazingly high quality pin that can uh, fold down and become a stand and, and you see the Enterprise or you can magnet and put it on a board with the, um, with the dedication plaque. Um, so there's plenty more uh, at fansets.com. And all you need to do is go to fansets.com and put a whole bunch of pins in your cart. And we just told you about a whole bunch of them already. And you know, as a listener to the show, you can receive 10% off your next order from Fansets by using the code TrekGeeks at checkout. And remember that you receive free shipping in the US on orders of $30 or more. Fansets, our pins have character. And we want to thank Fansets for being the presenting sponsor of the Trek Geeks Podcast Network. Now the overall message of this episode, what it teaches us about ourselves or potentially what is it trying to teach us? Uh, I'm going to go first because I typically like to do that, especially since 
Um, I don't want to have a bad relationship with Jamie since I have to do other podcasts with him. So um, going along with relationships, uh, I thought that this taught us a lot about the state of controlling relationships um, and not like how you control your relationship, but being in a relationship that's controlled by somebody else. Uh, we see that uh, Corey is completely controlled by Adam Soong right to the point of without that magic smart water, she can't leave the house because uh, she could die. And when she does finally get that and she's on her way out, Soong says, you don't get to walk away from me. You don't exist without me. You know, talk about the definition of an abusive relationship right there. Just putting her down right away. And I thought it was nice that the writers got her out of there because, you know, she didn't ask for what she had gone through. So to let her out of that relationship I think kind of goes along with the episode title of mercy. Uh, you know, they, they put some mercy upon Corey and let her go. And I mentioned before that I thought that there was uh, a way that uh, Rafi gets tied to Adam Soong a little bit. And it's in this regard. Rafi likes to be in control of her relationships. Um, she, she likes to be in control of her relationship with seven uh, which kind of comes to the fore here. And she realizes that uh, she is a manipulator. Uh, she was totally in control of her relationship with Elnor to the point where he turned down being able to go back and assist uh, the Kuat Malat uh, really just because of the love that he had for Rafi and, you know, her making the comment, okay, you're just going to leave me. All right. Uh, I'll just deal with it. You know, that's why he stuck around in Starfleet till graduation and uh, ended up in the situation he's in. Now, the difference is Rafi realizes what she's been doing now. And she seems like the type of person who, once she understands something like that, is going to make a change. Soon, on the other hand, uh, he ends up in the bottom of a bottle, but then he sees a new way to find success. And he's all about that. Like, where is Corey in his mind at the end of this episode? I don't think he cares anymore. So having those relationships, you know, a controlling one, it doesn't benefit anyone. In this case, we see that there was no benefit to either Rafi or Adam Soong in how they controlled the relationships. Uh, but Rafi, it seems like is going to have better ones going forward. Mike, I'll let you go next. So I really loved what, uh, what Q said in this episode, he said, humans are all trapped in the past. And that's completely true. Uh, we all are, our experiences of the past and, um, we get to see this from Picard's perspective. We get to see this from Agent Wells' perspective. Um, and in fact, uh, I would even venture to say that uh, Q and Guinan are also somewhat 
uh, trapped in the past uh, for very different reasons, but um, no pun intended. No pun intended. Uh, So um, I think that this whole idea of of trauma again continues to to come up and people dealing with their trauma and moving forward is uh, something that we've just seen ongoing throughout this. And um, I think that ultimately what we need to do is we need to accept what's happened to us in the past and move forward and live in the present. And um, it also, for me, evokes this idea of hope uh, and, you know, that, you know, the the future can continue to be different. It can continue to be better. It's not based upon our past. And I think it's a, it's a great opportunity for everyone to kind of think, think through like, how can I move through the past and have hope for the future? And again, I think that Picard once again provides hope to Wells in this case, uh, as does Guinan about his future, even though he's just lost his job. But I think having some closure to his childhood experience with the Vulcans and realizing that there are extraterrestrials is, um, is going to help him move forward in the future. All right, Jamie. Well, Mike did kind of steal a little bit of my thunder, but um, you know, the two things that I, (laughs) I know he's, I know he's excited about that. So the, the two things that were said in this episode that really kind of resonated with me was obviously humans are stuck in the past, which, which Mike talked about. And then also it's the escape that counts, not the trap, uh, you know? So those were two kind of really, you know, things that were really stuck out to me, but I go to this episode title of mercy. And I know I had talked a little bit about in the previous segment, but there's a lot of examples of mercy in this episode. And when we see this topic of humans are stuck in the past, right? We, we talk about that, the, the trauma that Agent Wells experienced and how Picard is offering him mercy by releasing him from that trauma. We see Q in a similar scenario, offering mercy to Corey by giving her the, the key, the solution to get out of you know, the situation that she's in. And we even see mercy displayed by Girardi. Right. You know, um, Sabrina talked earlier about how she had Rafi being held up by her neck. She didn't kill her. Right. She offered her mercy even in that moment uh, when she could have killed her, which means that Agnes is still a part of the board queen. She's still fighting um, in that that example there. Um, Then when we see this whole thing about it's the escape that counts, not uh, not the trap. Um, I really think this is tied into this whole future that we as humans are kind of seeing is going to take place if we let a guy like Adam soon, you know, take over, right? Are we going to be able to escape his grasp or or the things that he would do, right? I think that's kind of really explored here. And we kind of see that that's why it's so important for Rene Picard to go on this mission, because if not, Humans are so flawed um, and so messed up that we're just going to, we're going to follow this madman into this dystopian future that we're going to see. So um, like like I said, those, those two sentences really kind of resonated with me. Um, Once again, humans are stuck in the past and it's the escape that counts, not the trap. And Sabrina. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, 
everybody has really hit on what this whole season has been about. And it's been about dealing with, you know, mental issues and being traumatized and dealing with it. But I think it's really interesting because we've seen this with a few of our captains, not just in this franchise. We've seen this with, you know, Cisco having been traumatized by his wife's death. We saw this with Michael being traumatized as a young person. And what uh, and Picard now we know has been a survivor the whole time he was doing all the great things that he did. And I think it's really very interesting that we see Renee now, another one, although her issues are slightly different. Um, I think what I like about this is that we're showing that people can reach very high pinnacles without even dealing with the trauma. This is how tough these people were, that even though Starfleet supposedly has all these psych exams and everything else to get into Starfleet you know, Academy, but you miss these traumas that these people had. OK, I'll let that go. But um, so they managed to function even though they were this traumatized. And I like the fact that that shows that people can make it through their lives dealing with the trauma. And finally, eventually, you have to face it and deal with it. But that doesn't mean that you can't do what you really want to do. And I thought that was very interesting that we saw three very powerful people in these shows, Burnham, Cisco, and now Picard, have some major issues that they had to deal with. And there were other people, too. You know, Worf was traumatized. They all were traumatized. But they they managed to get the job done. And I think that's a very important statement, even though we are talking about now dealing with it, which is something that is very, you know, 2020s you know, too, you know, the other days, like, you know, suck it up and deal with it is what we, where we were back in the day. Now we're dealing with it. So that's very interesting. So I, I did like that whole, um, I like it. I don't want to make light of how long it's taking and, you know, this and that, because they're talking about some very important topics. And I want, I like that they are bringing these topics up. So I don't want to make light of the fact that maybe it's taking a little longer to get to the point than I would like. So um, I like the show. I like what's going on. I like these topics and I'm glad they're talking about it because we don't need to suck it up like we have in these past captain's lives. We do need to address it. Starfleet Command is proud to present you the Christopher Pike Medal of Valor. We still have awards to do. Well, we'll let Jamie go first since uh, he's been bringing up the rear in this episode a lot. Well, um, for awards, I'm, I'm going to go with our girl, Ido. Um, I, I mean, I think she's just, uh, you know, echoing everybody's point. I think she's, she's firing all cylinders and, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go as far as to say John Delancey. I want more John Delancey in these episodes. You know, um, he, he is really showing himself as an actor that even though he's been out of the game for a long time can, can get right back into it. and you know, like riding a bicycle. And I, I just feel like the writers and the showrunners are, are doing the show a disservice by not showing us more John Delancey. So those are going to be my two awards for the week, John Delancey and, and, and Ito. What about John Delancey's FBI jacket? Does that get an award? You know, <laughs> I, I was going to continue on my theme of crazy awards but i'm i'm trying to bring it back to you know <laughs> you, you got to throw one in there it's just you know it's it's uh now that was now highly I think you got to yeah i think you you got to throw one in 
Oh, now you're going to make me think. Come back to me. Come back to me. And I'll, I'll, I'll get it on the rear. <laughs> All right, Sabrina, what do you have for awards? Yeah, well, of course, you know, Ido, she's my girl. I loved her. I I want more of her. I don't know what you got to do, Paramount Plus. We find a way to bring this actress back into this family. I want more of that. And um, I loved her shoes. I mean, that's the other award. I want those camel boots so badly. And um, I, I really, you know, as much as I was talking about the scenes with with um, Seven and Raffi, you know, I just love watching the two of those actresses. I really do. No, no matter what craziness they're making them say, <laughs> I just and you know, and I'm I was not ever really a huge Seven of Nine fan. I just really was not. But I love Seven in this franchise. I really do, and I love her. I do. I want more of their relationship. So I'll go read the audio book. I'll listen to it. I'll listen to it and see what the hell happened. But I want more of that. Those are my awards. It's 90 minutes and the two of them are awesome in it because it's actually Jerry Ryan and Michelle Hurd playing the parts in the audio book. Okay. So Mike. So I want to give a, you know, I, I, I had Ito and John on my list, but Jamie, Jamie did a Jamie. So it's all, all good there. Um, we're one, one for one now, but I, I'm going to go with, um, I'm going to go with uh, Brent Spiner this week. I thought that he his acting is just top notch and phenomenal. Uh, the the encounter with um, with Corey and everything that happened through that whole scene was just real. Like I I was just fixated on watching his face on the screen, and it was amazing. Um, so he did a great job, and then I I have to say that Allison Pill also um, also crushed it as well this week. I think that you know to play two two characters in one uh, is or three I, Borg Queen Girardi and Girardi Borg Queen I guess um, is just just phenomenal. You know when she's talking to herself, when she's talking to anybody, um, it's just powerful. And uh, you know, and like I said, any. I was not the biggest fan of Allison Pill in season one, but she is just crushing it this season. And um, so definitely a huge shout out to her. And then finally, I just want to give the writers a shout out because I really did enjoy this episode. Um, you know, Kristen Beyer and uh, Cindy Appel did a great job uh, with this. And it, 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 to me, it felt very well plotted out. And I thought that the dialogue in almost all of it was really spot on, um, you know, huge shout outs to like the Q and Guinan scene for sure. Uh, the Rafi and, uh, seven dynamic and, um, even, even just Allison, anything you're, you're given Allison pill, she's just crushing it. So, uh, great job to them. Yeah. I had, uh, John Delancey on my list and Ido as well. And, and can I say, I think one of the things that we haven't quite touched on about how um, the Guinan character has been played in this, uh, especially this episode is they've really emphasized her as a listener and the things that she's able to pick up on just by reading a person. Um, I think that's been, that's been really cool 
you know, you, you, we did kind of get that in the next generation, but at that point she was an old soul and you just kind of expected it from her. Uh, the way Ido is playing it is as a far younger Guinan and you can almost like see the work that she's doing on her face as she's listening and reading the person as to how she's getting the information that she wants to throw out there. Uh, so, you know, those two obviously were what Mike and Jamie had um, last week. I gave these two an honorable mention because I couldn't fit them in my awards, but uh, they make it in this week. Uh, Sol Rodriguez and Santiago Cabrera as a, as a pair playing off of each other in this episode, uh, Sabrina, I, I, I have to a hundred percent agree with you on uh, the point of them communicating in Spanish back and forth together. Um, you know, I thought that was a, a fantastic decision uh, that was made to allow them to express themselves to each other in their native language. You know, why, why should they put it in English for all of us to hear what they're saying and understand it when they can very easily be more expressive in the language that they, and I don't know if that is what their first language is uh, for the two actors, but it kind of felt that way, the way that they were, the way that they were acting within that. And I, I'm so used to reading subtitles at the bottom of the screen. Cause my ears are crappy that whatever I'm good with them saying another language and me having to read what's there. I don't lose anything because of it. So uh, great, uh, great chemistry between the two of them. And now for our crazy award of the week, I give you Mr. Jamie Rogers. All right. So for my third award this week, I'm going to give it to the car batteries, their chemistry with Allison pill was a real positive influence on the board queen. That's all I got. Bravo. We are all, we're all, we're all laughing off my mic. We're muted and we're cracking up on the car batteries. <laughs> I, I don't know that is amazing. All, all, all wow, I Jamie. Wow. All I could see in that whole thing as Jamie was trying to tell that joke was this guy walks into the doctor's office. <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to do the positive influence in air quotes. Oh, so I know. I, apologize uh, I got it. Gesture. Oh, I got it. Yep. I Great got job. It. Great Trust job. Me. Trust me. I got it. Doctor says, love you. <laughs> the doctor says you're ugly too, but um, boom. <laughs> Library computer data being received. Oh, and as if having the the uh, the silly crazy award isn't fun enough, now we get to go to something that is surely going to wreak havoc on people's lives, and that is the prediction section. And. I don't know who to draw from first this week because I know there's a sibling rivalry going on in the house here. So, uh, you know what? Uh, I'm going to I'm going to go first so as to put the put the issues to bed. My prediction 
Adam Soong has to die. He has to die. And you wonder, how is the line going to be carried on? It's going to be Corey Soong. She is going to be the Soong legacy bearer. She talked a lot about how uh, he's not looking at her as a daughter, but as an experiment, a successful experiment, and a way to carry on his legacy. Well, she's going to end up doing that because I think Adam's going to die and she's going to be the one that, that actually passes on a uh, not so aggressive mad scientist vibe to the rest of the Soong family. I like it. All right. Well, since you're unmuted, I'm going to let you go next, Sabrina. Okay. This is such crazy chaos in this thing that <laughs> I don't know what you could say for a prediction, but here's, here's my crazy Sabrina prediction is that I think, I think Renee, whatever Renee finds on Titan, because in the beginning they said that she had discovered some organism or something, whatever on Titan. I think that when we went back in, you know, the best of both worlds and Q showed Picard, the goo that we came from. And the thing that Q had where he said this was how, you know, Corey was formed. I think all three of those things have something to do with each other. That's my prediction. Holy crap. Goo goo and more goo. Holy goo. (laughs) Holy goo, Batman. Wow, that's a good one. I mean, both of yours have been good. That's amazing. All right. I'm sorry, Mike. I let you go before Jamie last week, so I've got to be nice and let Jamie go first this week. So go Uh, ahead. Take it away, Jamie. I'm going to leave a lot of meat on the bones, so I don't think I'm going to trump this time. But uh, So my three predictions are I think Seven will never get back her board components. I think that the history is going to be changed, but well, the history is going to be fixed, but she's never going to get back her board components. So that's number one. Number two, I do think Girardi is going to get the ship, take the ship back. I'm doubling down on that. I think I had mentioned that last week. I think that that ship is going to be the La Serena from the alternate timeline is going to be the Borg ship in the future. That's all Borgified and you know, is the ship that we saw in episode one. And this element of Corey now is going to be part of my third prediction. I think Corey is going to be the key to help helping to stop um, Adam Soong and help get the rest of the crew back. Cause I feel like they're going to be in a situation where Girardi takes the ship and they're going to be trying to figure out how to get back home. And I think she's going to be the key linchpin to help them either stop Adam Soong or get the rest of the crew back to the um, regular timeline. Mike, I don't know how he's able to say with a straight face that he's leaving meat on the bone when he takes three (laughs) predictions. I mean, geez. Really? I just said goo three times. You just go all over the place. (laughs) Okay, Mike. Well, I mean, all right. So you you your number three was part of one of mine, but uh, that's okay. I'm gonna. Uh, there's a lot of good Corey poss- and Sung possibilities here, so I'm gonna let those sit. Um, 
my predictions are number one that Q is actually human now. And part of the whole thing about it's not about the trap, it's about the escape is that he is somehow going to convince, or part of all of this is that he's convincing Picard to take him back to the feature with them. So there's no way for him to get out of this and that the next mission will be helping Q get his powers back or something along that lines. But I'm going to take it even a step further. I'm going to say that Rios is going to stay in the past because Q is going to the future with them. Uh, and I'm going to do this because it's a two twofold thing. It's not going to, it doesn't make complete sense, but um, there's going to be some rule that they can't take more people back to the future than they brought from the future. I know that doesn't make sense in canon, a la Star Trek Four: The Voyage Home, but it does make sense because of balance, like the balance of the universe. So I think that's why Rios is actually going to end up staying because Q is going to take his place. Um, and and I still feel like even that I still feel like there's too many butterflies floating around. I think that the future is going to be different somehow. And Picard is going to gather the original crew of the NCC 1701D and they're going to have to fix the future as well as figure out how to help Q or Q is going to become part of the crew as well. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, if you remember in in um, oh, Deja Q, he wanted to be a member of the crew. Yeah, right? maybe he's going to replace Data since Data's dead. No, Data oh. is coming back to life. Remember my prediction last week? He's coming back. I think they're going to San Francisco and they're going to find Data's head in that cave. Yeah. Data's head <laughs> is what's going to get him back to the future. And uh, then Data know, can be alive. I hope my here's I got another that just I just made up. I'm just coming to this prediction. I am hoping that in season three we see the much ballyhooed meeting of Picard and Guinan. We, we, you know, we they went back to the San original another back oh. here. Like, when did they actually really meet in the it, regular it, timeline? Ooh, so I would cool. like to see that in season three. I predict that we will with Whoopi playing the part. Nice. Oh, with Whoopi. I was going to say with Ido playing the part, but yeah, I think they're going to for their the first meeting back. for their first meeting. But we'll see. Yeah. That's good. Uh, I can do some That's little really stuff good. with the cameras and make everybody look young again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah. once again, we uh, managed to thrill and impress probably just ourselves with our predictions <laughs> for probably for the future. Goo, goo and more goo. <laughs> so what will next week bring us? This is no prediction. Picard and his crew fight for their lives as they come under attack from a new incarnation of an old enemy. But to survive, Picard must face the ghosts of his past. Seven and Raffi have a final showdown with Jurati. Episode 9 is entitled Hide and Seek, and we'll be covering it here for you on Discovering Trek Picard. Don't forget that you can support Discovering Trek and the Trek Geeks Podcast Network by subscribing to bonus content on Patreon. 
Get access to unedited audio of all our podcasts and a, all, and a whole lot of other perks. If you'd like to support this and the other member podcasts of the Trek Geeks Podcast ne Network, beam on over to patreon.com slash trekgeeks where subscriptions start as low as $2 a month. For more great Star Trek discussion, check out the aforementioned member podcasts on the network. In addition to discovering Trek, there is Trek Geeks, Rewind, Polytrek's five-year mission, a big show called Deep Space Pride, Drawn to Trek, Infinite Trek, The Divine Treasury, The Coolest Sisters on the Planet, The Sci-Fi Sisters, Science Station 2 with the first link, and the newest addition to the network, ConPod, which is all about Star Trek conventions. You can find all these shows and where to listen on trekgeeks.com slash listen or by downloading the Trek Geeks mobile app. The Trek Geeks Podcast Network. No one talks Trek like we do. And no one does ad libs like Jamie Rogers. So assimilated special forces are headed after the crew with Agnes. This is either going to be incredibly awesome or very anticlimactic. Either way, we'll be discussing it here next week on Discovering Trek. So make sure you strap in. To close, I found a quote from Picard in talking to Soji last season that I thought would be something he could have said to Wells this week. You have a past. You have a story just waiting to be claimed. And until next time, never stop discovering. Music for Discovering Trek is provided by Five Year Mission. They're writing an original song for each episode of Star Trek. Hear more of their music at fiveyearmission.net. Discovering Trek is a production of Coconut Media Works, executive producers Bill Smith and Dan Davidson. For more great Star Trek discussion, discover the other shows of the Trek Geeks podcast network at trekgeeks.com or find us in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app.